everyone and welcome to this evening's workplace webinar brought to you by Staff Treats. My name is Eva Evangelou and I'm hosting this evening and I'm so excited to have with me the co-founder of Thriving Tribes, Yassine Matola. Yassine, thank you so much for joining us. Now, Isin is going to be taking us through core theme for today, which is what is a strong vision and why is it so important for businesses to build one? And Isin is the co-founder of Thriving Tribes, and she's been helping businesses to grow um, with that business. So Isin, I'd love you to tell us a little bit more about Thriving Tribes. Yes, definitely. Sounds good. Um, so at Thriving Tribes, we support startups and growing businesses, mainly in the UK and France by crafting scalable HR people experiences. So they are always ready for the next step. And this usually covers talent acquisition, employee experience, HR compliance, team performance culture, all the, all the usual HR bits. Fantastic. And can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you then ended up running Thriving Tribes? Yes, definitely. Um, so I've been in the um, in like HR roles for about 10 years now, many tech companies, um, various industries. And I guess it all, it all came up to a discussion with, we had with Aurelie, who's the other co-founder of, uh, of Thriving Tribes. Um, so similar to me, she's been in HR roles for, for about 10 years. Um, and we were discussing our HR philosophies, what we are doing in our, in our roles, what we are seeing. Um, and just kind of came, came naturally to, to create Thriving Tribes, take on a few consulting clients and, and push all these ideas around scalable processes, employee experience, inclusive leadership, all those things we, we believe in and we think are so beneficial for, for businesses. So that's how it kind of uh, came, came about. Um, and I've always, I've always needed to keep high levels of activity anyway. I find it great to have other activities than my regular job. Um, I think that, you know, it just stimulates innovation, um, increase the impact that you can have as well. And, and it avoids you being so obsessed and frustrated with one thing. Um, so, so, yeah, I guess that was just a way for us to, to live our, our passion for people development and, and HR innovation. Yeah, so no more nine to five for you, Isin. <laughs> We're not going back to that. <laughs> A little bit um, around the clock now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I also saw from your LinkedIn profile that you mentioned that you have a soft spot for tech businesses that have a strong vision. And that really brings us on to today's theme. So what is a, a strong vision and why do you think it's so important for businesses? Yeah, so a vision is aspirational. It's your why. Um, as a business owner, as a leader, it's looking forward and defining what you want your impact to look like and what's the difference you're going to make. You know, like, why are you doing what you're doing, basically? Um, and I think that having it clear in your head is good, but it's not enough. You need to be able to articulate it, to communicate it in a way that people will believe in it, feel inspired by it and, and rally around you. And I think that's what a strong vision is. Um, it's, you know, being able to, to, to get people around you. Yeah, I, I think that that's really, really important. So practically, how does a business owner get someone to see? How do they articulate it to, you know, their employees and then their customers? How do you get people to, to see your vision? Um, yes. So as you said, it's, it's, it's really important to be able to communicate it to employees 
as well as, as customers and, and basically all the partners you, you will be working with, you know, um, if you're trying to, to raise money, if you're having intermediary in your business, that's all, all the people you will need to, uh, to get on board. Um, so yeah, if you, if you look at employees and, and prospective candidates, um, your, your vision is what is going to inspire people to do their best job. Um, you know, we, we all want to, to have a positive impact and we all want to make a difference. Um, so, you know, being able to understand what we will commit our time in and, you know, what, what all this is about is, is really important for, for most people. Um, so yet yeah, I'd say on the, on the employee side, that's, uh, that, that's definitely the main, the main bit. So how do we then break this down? Like what are the important steps that a, a small business or a startup can take to actually build out this vision? Yeah. Um, so there, there's a framework that I, that I like. Um, it's, from, it's from a book from Simon Sinek. It's called Start With Why. And, and um, it's, it's basically a circle. I think he calls it the golden circle. Mm-hmm. And so you have your why in the middle, then you have your how, and then you have your what. And it's all about, um, so your why is what you should be starting with. Um, that's your vision, that's your purpose, that's you know, everything that's embodied by, by your leader, by your CEO, by your founder. Um, then you have your how, um, and that's more, I'd say your C-suite, your function leads, that's all about what's the strategy and you know what's the direction we want to take um, and, and how we're gonna how we're gonna actually do it. And then you have your what, and that's your product, your services, what everybody's working um, all day, every day. So I think what's what's really important is to be able to have you know those three things very clear, very separate. And you know, once you have that, you don't have to, to worry about. Uh, because there's a, there's a lot of things, right? There's the, the vision, the mission statement, the purpose, the, um, the, the strategy, there's, there's so many. But I think if you just focus on your why, your how, and your what, um, you'd be able to do something that's, that's comprehensive and, and people will be able to, to follow you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've seen um, a a few of Simon Sinek's talks and I like how he compares uh, laptops and he's just saying, you know, at Apple, we could have said that we just make laptops because that's what we do. But people are not inspired and paying well above the market rate just because we make really good laptops, you know, so do a whole load of other brands. But the why is, you know, to be different and to do things differently. And I think that's what's, you know, got people on board with that that brand so I mean okay so how are you how are you separating what a mission statement is and then what your vision is um yes so your your vision is really your why so that's if you if you look years years ahead what you will have achieved the difference you will have made and the the impact you will have had on the world that's that's your vision that's long term what you want to achieve um, then if you if you look more at the how it's it's going to be a bit a bit more practical um, it's it's you know it's it's going to be um, everything around um, how you're bringing your vision to life um, so that's the strategy that's the planning um, what's your unique selling point um, and then you go to the what and that's the actual execution 
Mm -hmm. So we're bringing, we want obviously looking at the why many years down the line, what do you want to have achieved and how have you done that? I guess the next part of that is how we use that to grow a business. So how is it important for leaders to use this vision in order to grow? Yeah. So when companies start growing, there are usual issues that, that, are, that are coming into play. Um, so when you're growing your, your team, it's, it's much easier to, to lose touch points, to get sidetracked. You know, you, you spend less time with, with people, less one-to-one -one time. Um, it's, it's more complicated to give people context because you're just not chatting with them every day as, as, you're, as you're doing it if you have a very small team. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very easy to, for people to lose the big picture and, and to get disaligned. Um, and what happens as well when you, when you start growing is that silos start to create. You have conflicting priorities in between, you know, the, the different parts of your business. And, you know, we have the usual ones. You have, you have your sales department that's, you know, um, just, just trying to get your, your clients across the line. And then you have your, your product team who's actually trying to, to build the product. And, and sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't align. So you really need, you know, to have a clear vision, to have everyone aligned, moving in the same direction. You need all your leaders to, to be, you know, to be aligned and, and able to, to prioritize and to, to just, you know, bring back the focus where it should be um, when, when it's needed. Um, so yeah, I think that's the kind of the main beat and that's gonna really impact team performance and employee engagement when you're, when you're, when you're scaling. Um, then there are a few things that, that companies usually do when they, you know, when they start to, to get organized around that. Um, so there's this um, OKR framework that, that most tech companies use, um, objective and key results. And it's basically making sure that um, you define your company goals, your department goals, that you know, they all work together. And then if you want, you can have your like, individual personal goals, but you know that everything is always moving in the same direction. And that you have, you know, just a few key points that you're focusing on at a time. Um, and yeah, that's another thing that that's that's important when when companies are are, are growing because there's just so much to do, and you know, like the the possibilities are endless. So being able to again to focus and recenter to what we're going to achieve at the moment is is very important. So so yeah, I'd say that's that's the main ones. And that's not an easy task, right? Bringing all of these people to get behind and work on one thing. And you brought up an interesting point about making sure that all of your leaders, um, as well as I guess all the people that work for you are aligned. So in terms of recruitment, how do you make sure that you're bringing in people who will, you know, match this vision and also match the culture of your company? Um. So what's really important is to have a very good recruitment process. And especially when you're scaling, especially when you know, you're gonna be doubling the size of your team and you're gonna be hiring 50 people in the coming months. It's so, so important um, that your recruitment process is spotless. Um, the things that you can do if you want to make sure that it's going to be aligned with your vision, it's going to be aligned with, with what, what you're trying to do as a company, is to make sure that your recruitment process is as fair and unbiased as possible. Um, so a lot of companies use interview scorecards, for example, 
where before you know starting hiring and, and putting job ads out and so on and so on, you agree beforehand on key criteria. What do we really need this role um, to be able to, to do what the impact you want them to have? And then you have your set of questions that's just focused on those key criteria. You don't have like random questions that are coming from nowhere. It's the same set of questions for everyone. And you make sure that you evaluate those key criteria that are important for you. And that is so important because um, when, you, when you hire, when you're in a rush, it's just, you know, just going to start to be a little bit um, depending on people. And like some people are just going to take a call here and there. And those other ones are going to do some, some tests. Some are gonna come up with the with the most random questions, and we've always like, I think all of us we 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 have heard and we have had those those questions, and you're like, how is this relevant? <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I think to to have you know like um, a strong um, database recruitment process is is really important um, when you grow, and always making sure that all the things that you're evaluating. Um, relates to what you're trying to achieve as a company and what skills you need to bring in in order to achieve your vision. Um, so yeah, I think that's the I think that's the main ones. I'd love to delve into this a little bit more. I find it quite interesting that you you go with one standardized interview process for every candidate. So let's assume you know you have a role where you need someone who is customer facing and can manage customer relationships, but you also need someone that's very technical. So let's assume one candidate has really great customer facing skills and the other one has really good technical skills. Do you not adjust an interview to test, I guess, what, what is not covered by previous experience? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yes. Um, so usually when you work with, with scorecards, what you will do is that you would agree beforehand on um, how important each criteria are. So you would have like a score system for each of them. Um, so you would just be able to, to define when you, when you create your, your, your scorecard, um, what are the things that are more important than others. And you know, maybe some people are gonna score really high in, in some aspects, but that's not the most important. That's not what you're really looking for. So at the end of the day, um, the you know the, the candidate that that that's gonna come um, come up is, is still gonna be the one that, that are gonna score higher in the things that are the most important for you. Um, and also just because you you've mentioned experience, um, it's, sometimes it's not about years of experience, you know, like some people, especially if you look at, at tech and if, especially if you look at, at some of the, of, the, of the recent roles and, and you know, like skills that, that were not as important or just did not exist um, 10 years back. Um, sometimes it's really about what we're actually able to do and what the outcome and what we're able to create in the role rather than how long we've spent um, in an industry or how long we've spent doing a role. So what's also important is as part of your recruitment process, be able to evaluate, um, you know, like having tests, having examples, talking about situations rather than asking um, just, you know, like questions about concepts and, and kind of ideas it's really, you know, to be able to take out of this recruitment process um, what you're actually going to need for the role. 
Yeah, and I think some of the best interviews I've probably had are where I've been given an example and asked, you know, how would you prioritize this? You know, these are all the tasks that you have to manage. How would you prioritize and why? And just having something where you have to think about and they're assessing, you know, what you find important and how you work. Um, it feels like it's giving you more of a fair shot um, a lot of the time. So, okay, so also how do you think about bringing in more diversity and inclusion within your within a recruitment process yes um so diversity and inclusion big big topic yeah. uh, so if you look just at the process at your recruitment process um what you should be doing is that you should uh make it inclusive in a way that people who are for example process things differently still have the same chance um, so that means, for example, that um, you should allow for preparation and, you know, let people know in advance if you're going to be asking them to, to do a case or something, you know, letting them know in advance what it's going to be about. So people who are, you know, less um, outgoing will have the same chances. Um, you can also consider adjustments um, with regards to the test that you're doing, for example, and, you know, making sure um, that the conditions will work, will work for people, that they will have enough time um, to run it, that it's going to work with their, with their personal circumstances as well. Like, for example, if you're going to have, as part of your recruitment process, half a day on site of like doing stuff and presenting, like have a think of, I don't know, I'm a single parent and I have my children, what do I do? Like, do I have to pay for childcare to be able to come to your interview? So, yeah, I think it's, you know, but that's the same with all the topics around diversity and inclusion. It's about when you're building your process, when you're, um, you know, like preparing the things that you want to do, having, that's the moment where you have to think about uh, making it inclusive and making sure that you're not gonna um, exclude people from your, from your process. Definitely. So I, I think not excluding as part of what you're creating, what I've definitely heard as a question that's come up in, in my circles is, you know, we're looking for, let's say, female salespeople, and I'm not getting any applications in, you know, so how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, so I think the first thing is that you have to separate um, diversity and inclusion. So there's a part around attracting candidates and you know, having them applying and having them coming to your company. But then there's another part of the work that I would say is even more important about keeping them. And how do you, you know, how do you make sure that they feel like they belong and they feel like they can be their best self and, and you know, just, just contribute and, and being heard. Um, so that's, if you want to improve diversity and inclusion in your company, that's the two things you need to look at. You cannot just focus on, on recruitment and you cannot just focus on um, on your processes, you need to look at both. Um, but then, like the, I would say, the typical actions if you're if you're looking at um, improving diversity as part of your recruitment process, um, that's going to be either improving um, the pipeline. So that means that maybe you're just like you're just posting your ad um, on your website, and actually, like those candidates you're trying to attract, they don't know about you. So they're not going to apply, you know, if you only have, for example, all your employees who are kind of, you know, part of the of the same network and the same type of people, they're going to talk about, they're, they're going to talk to their friend about your role and they're going to be like them. So you're not going to attract anyone different. So 
yeah there's there's definitely something around around the pipeline and making sure for example if you're doing if you're doing outreach if you're if you're you know if you're um headhunting um that you do actually the work at looking at candidates that are um that are not the typical ones or not the ones you have in your company like you know you will always find the same schools or the same alumni from the same companies so you have to do the work to look at, at different profiles um, and then there are there are a lot of you know specialized um, recruitment agencies or a lot of, of non-profit or organizations of all types that can that can help you um, targeting um, different type of, of candidates um, and then what, another thing that's really important with, with recruitment is your talent brands. Um, because if you manage to reach out to those candidates that are, that are, that are, that are different to, to um, the majority of, of your company, if they look at your website and you know, they look you up on internet and the press and what they see is you know just like so far away from everything they are and they just don't feel like they're gonna they're gonna fit in or that you know like that's gonna work for them they're gonna they're not gonna want to apply as well so yeah there's a there's a big there's a big big piece around around, around talent brand if you want to attract more more women if you want to attract more parents if you want to attract um more people from um um ethnical backgrounds that are different than the majority of, of your company that there's yeah definitely a, a piece on on your talent branding as well as as your pipeline and where you go looking for candidates and that's not easy right i assume there are probably quite a lot of businesses that have very samey looking uh, employees which is you know we all have biases we tend to hire people who are like us and sometimes candidates are rejected because of this culture fit, you know? So for an organization that's starting, you know, starting out and trying to have more diverse and be more inclusive with their hiring process, I guess, what would you recommend as steps to make sure that they are retaining talent who may not fit, you know, the cookie cutter mold? Like, how do you make sure that people can bring their whole selves to work and, and feel like they can be part of a company that maybe looks different to them? Um, what is paramount if you want to improve diversity and inclusion is to make sure that your leaders are aligned and that they're ambassadors. Because like, there's no point trying to do anything if you know um, your, your head of functions, your, your managers, if they are not on board, if you haven't talked to them about it, if you haven't explained to them what you are trying to do, why it's important. Um, and, and you know how you want to approach it with your company and there's no point trying to do you know like one of type of actions and you know having your, your HR teams reaching to, um, to, to, to diverse candidates because you need buy-in and you need alignment from your managers and, and from your leaders and you know with, with inclusion it's about applying a lens to everything we do so it cannot be only in one part. It cannot be only, you know, like the recruitment team that's going to work on it. That definitely needs to be something um, where your whole company is aligned. Yeah. So, okay. So how do you think that once you, you know, you're working with the core set of employees, how do you then get them excited and get them bought into this company vision? I think employee engagement is coming up quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say the first thing is that there are a few concepts that leaders or you know, founders who, who want to uh, 
to to work on those type of of topics with their company. There's there are a few a few concepts they should uh, familiarize themselves with, a few a few books they should read. So everything around intrinsic motivation, um, growth mindset, um, freedom and responsibility. That's that's the type of 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 reading that that would be recommended. Um, just you know to uh, to to make sure that they don't do anything that's counterproductive and just you know to learn from all the companies that have tried stuff before. Um, so so yeah, I think that's that's the the first the first part to make sure that that you're familiar with with those concepts. Um, then I'd say try and break away from practices that are not really productive. Um, you know everything like stick and carrots and like having those very rigid annual cycles and um, your your um, the engagement and and the um, the interactions that you have with your employee making sure that it's not just a tick box exercise so yeah I guess it's you know it's going back to the why and always having this you know what are we trying to achieve and why are we doing that um, because if people feel that um, they're not being heard, um, you, that you ask them to do things that don't really matter and that, you know, like it's not about the value that they can add, they're not going to be really engaged. So, yeah, focusing on outcome um, is, is, is usually a very good one if you want to, to improve engagement um, and making sure that, you know, people are, are aligned behind your, your vision and are just going to do... Um, you know their best, and maybe it's not your way, and and that's also why why you're hiring other people, right? You you don't want everyone to be thinking like you and, and doing everything like you. So yeah, it's just you know giving them um, the space to be able to find solutions to problems, and yeah, I think focusing on on the outcome, you know, um, steering away from micromanagement, um, and and just you know. Um, giving people the tools they need to do their, their best work and then just, just letting them do it. <laughs> yeah, leaving them to it. So I guess from a, let's look at it from a manager's perspective then, because I'm managing, I'm imagining this is quite difficult to let go of, right? Especially if it, this is a process you've followed for 10 years, you know, how do you move away from that annual cycle, like you said, and, and what is, what is the better alternative? Yeah. Um, so I guess it's just thinking about what people really need and how people like to interact. Because if you if you look at if you think about employee experience, um, you can compare it to the way that people um, consume products and you know how they interact with brands as well. And like. If someone has needs something, needs a service, or has I don't know an issue with a brand, they won't wait to get an answer. You know, they want it now. And that's the thing. <laughs> you know, we all have internet. We all have Google. If we if we need something, we're gonna Google it, and we're gonna be looking for it. So it doesn't make sense to you know to to have to wait a year to discuss with your manager about you know um, your progression, your career opportunities, your the way you've you've been performing. It needs to be continuous, you know, people, people need to receive feedback when it's going to be useful, not when it's convenient for you, for your, for your calendar or, you know, whatever process you've, you've, you've trained to, to put together, but when it's going to actually have the most impact and, and when it's going to help them 
um, getting better at their role. So yeah, I think like trying to move away from annual cycles, from you know everything, mm-hmm. um, performance and development, all all those type of, of discussions that you can have, and and trying to be more in a continuous um, type of of ways um, is is something that works that works better. And there's a lot of tools now, you know, that are that are available um, that that allow for you know pulse surveys and um, continuous cycles where you can just you know. Um, at the end of each project or, you know, anytime that it's needed, being able to, um, to, to discuss, to, to go back, discuss about the experience, how things have been and, you know, what are, what are the learnings and just to do that in a timely manner, not, not having to wait to do it. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, of tools and frameworks that are, that are available for, for leaders who want to, uh, to, to try and uh, try new things with that. Yeah, I mean, you've also mentioned training. We've seen training programs fail because you teach someone how to do 10 things at the beginning of the year. And then when they need it, they've obviously forgotten whatever you taught them in the training because they don't need it right now. So yeah, I guess what what makes that even harder is that you now don't have a neighbor to just be like, hey, how do I do do this thing? Because I've forgotten how to do it from that training that we did at the start of the year. So remote working, right? It's made all of this so much more difficult. It's a huge challenge for companies to be able to even assess how engaged their employees are because you can't see someone, you know, kind of slumped down at their desk. You just, um, you kind of take their word for it when you see them in the in the weekly meeting. So I guess outside of the tools, you know, what do you recommend as a good way to drive engagement when you're working remotely? Mm. I think... In terms of remote working, again, managers, leaders, um, you know, all those people who, who will be the who will be having those those touch points with employees, their role is even more important than before. And I think it's all about genuine interactions. It's you know taking the time to to tell people, and we've heard that a lot, you know, how, all during lockdown, but how people really feel and how they are really doing. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, just, just being able to have this, um, um, this relationship that's authentic and, you know, where you genuinely, where you genuinely care for people, um, is, is what, um, like most companies who've, who've been, uh, who've been going through this, this, uh, lockdown and, and remote working period, um, like the companies that have done well, um, that's, that's what they've been, uh, kind of focusing on. And another thing that's important is to think about how you share information and how you communicate. Because if you're a company that was used to be in an office and you know people would just, as you said, um, just talk to people if they had a question or, or just ask around and, and, and go and, and people would just you know hear something and they would just say, oh, actually there's something that may help you. That's all the things that disappear um, when we're remote. So there's a conscious work to do on how we make information available and how people can find the, the tools, the information, the support that they need to do their to do their role. And maybe that means that we were before we were, let's say, in a company where we had a big culture of you know just, just talking and saying things. And that means that now we have to start writing stuff. And being <laughs> kept up to date. Um, but that's you know you cannot just move everything to Zoom, 
because it just doesn't translate. And you know, even if people sit on Zoom meetings all day, every day, they still won't have what you have in an office with you know those those side discussions and seeing and hearing something that's happening in you know um, in another discussion and being able to jump in. So yeah, I think it it really needs to be conscious about how um, how we share information and how people have what they need to do their role. So that's that's the two part. The first one about like checking on people and you know like making sure that they're actually okay and the other one is is about adapting the processes and not just thinking that we can just translate everything to zoom and that it's going to work as before yeah i think like you said a lot of the work just needs to be done up front and making things searchable and easy to read in some ways it will probably save more time and be more efficient um it's just a big transition in in the way that people are working right um, so Isina, I, I think we're coming up to time, but it would be great to hear from you just any other takeaways coming back to um, our core theme for today for any advice that you have for business leaders who are trying to use their vision to grow the business and um, any kind of final takeaways from there? Um, yes, um, I think it's really important to think about your customers and what they care about and what's important to them. Because I think we've seen a lot of examples recently, if you think you know, around data concerns and everything around data privacy, data collection, all those big techs and you know, this, this, uh, this little war uh, in between Apple and, and Facebook, um, you know, like it just brought to light this, this concern that, that you know, people have and have more and more about how their data are being used. Um, if you take a very like very different industry, if you look at, at fashion, we've heard more and more, you know, all those all those concerns around, um, you know, is is this brand I'm gonna buy from ethical, you know, are their practices sustainable? Um, and all the thing around fast fashion and the issues around, you know, those those big brands who are saying, oh, that's not me, that's my supply chain. No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, whatever our industry is, whatever kind of, you know, work we're doing, um, at some point, something like that is going to get big. So it's good to know where you stand, um, where you're doing what you do and what's important to you, you know, before those kind of stuff just, just blow up in your face. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much, Yasin. It's been a pleasure having you. And I'm sure if there are any questions from anyone who's watching, they'll be able to direct them over uh, to staff treats as well. We'll share an email address. Um, but it's been a pleasure having you. And if anyone wants to find out more about what Yasin's working on, have a look at Thriving Tribes, really amazing consultancy. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you, staff treats for hosting. And we look forward to seeing you at the next webinar. Thank you.